The last thing each day is to set an alarm for the first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on 760 WJR. What do you want to tell Joe Byron right now? Renee, I guess I would tell Joe Byron right now, uh, thanks for being on time and thanks for keeping it short. I would tell him that he needs some lozenges. Yeah, he, he, he had a little tickle in his throat yesterday. I feel like he ate peanuts before his speech. A little peanut butter and jelly. Something to, uh, was going on. So it got stuck in his yeah. throat. He's like, <clears throat> it's like Tommy Boy. It got lodged right here. <laughs> Thank you for the Tommy Boy reference. Yeah. Best movie. Yeah, anytime I can get a Tommy Boy reference in on a Friday is a good day. It is a good day. Yeah, I mean, uh, nothing really groundbreaking in that. I, I, I feel like we kind of knew where he was going with this speech hours before it happened. Yeah. Uh, he didn't really mention any specific numbers, um, but we all know he was going to ask uh, Congress, which might be a moot point anyway, because they don't have a speaker yet, for $100 billion in aid, um, $60, 60 billion of that um, is going to go to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. $40 billion is going to go to Israel and the Indo-Pacific. But I kind of have a feeling Israel's essentially going to have a blank check here. Yeah, I I mean, the biggest thing is, is are they going to be able to figure out if that money is being used properly? Right. Especially a lot of money. Right. Well, I'm I'm going to predict. No, it's not going to be used completely properly, especially at hundred million dollars going to um, Gaza. I'm sure a lot of that is going to be intercepted by Hamas. Um, but you know, the, the trucks are supposed to be let in starting tomorrow. Yeah. And so we'll see how that all goes. Um, otherwise, here we go. I felt like the speech is something, you know, when you're in a meeting and it could have been a memo. <laughs> it could have been, been an, an email. email. Yeah. And here's the thing. Not like it matters. It had a pre-recorded feel to me. Yeah. You and I were texting back and forth. You said, I feel like this is pre-recorded. Yeah. Which is fine. You know, he he threw in a couple of stutters. He threw in a couple of coughs to make mm-hmm. it seem live. But it, it, it seemed pre-recorded to me. Um, and, and so, you know, the big question here, Renee, is like, holy cow, $100 billion. Yeah. You know, is the, can the United States afford this? I guess so far we've already given $44 billion to Ukraine. But don't worry, the Department of Defense's budget is uh, $1.8 trillion this year. So so there's money left oh, over. That's a lot of guns. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, and uh, it, it's weird. At this point, at this point, like numbers like that just feel made up to me. I, I, I can't wrap my head around that. Yeah. Like, like how do you quantify $1.8 trillion? Um, other th- highlights from the speech. President Biden reiterated that Hamas is not all the Palestinian people and that he wants to help the people of Gaza. Um, He drew drew a lot of parallels between Russia and Hamas. Um, And, um, you know, uh, keeping you updated on the conflict, um, the Israeli defense minister told troops to be ready for the ground invasion. He said that uh, you have seen Gaza from a distance. Soon you will see it from the inside. Iran has threatened to get involved if Israel launches a ground offense, which may draw us into the uh, uh, war over there um, in a combat role. And uh, a U.S. aircraft carrier in the Red Sea intercepted a missile, this time from Yemen, uh, allegedly launched by another Iranian-backed group, the Houthis. That was believed to be headed towards Israel. And uh, 
I think we're just entering this 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 new uh, normal here, Renee, where uh, the United States is fighting wars on two fronts. The question is, is it going to um, escalate to World War Three or is it going to oh, be please. what's that? I said, oh, please. Right. Or is it going to be like right after 9-11 where we were fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan and the two didn't. The two are related, but they didn't overlap. I mean, it feels like we're headed towards a direct con- conflict between the United States and Iran. I don't know. I what You're talking about the new norm. What's sad is many of Gaza's residents down to one meal a day. They're drinking dirty water. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, again, your hearts go out to them. Yeah. And this whole thing, the, the humanitarian aspect of it is yeah. just awful. And the real tragedy are the innocent civilians that are caught in the middle here. Yeah. 3,785 people have been killed in Gaza since this war began. I mean, that's... That number is just ridiculous. Yeah. And I mean, and we're what, two weeks in here. Right. It's going to get worse. It's going to get much worse before it gets better. Um, Like I said a few minutes ago, um, Joe Biden's uh, $100 billion package he's going to put in front of Congress. It might be sitting there a while. What Congress? Yeah, exactly. Who? Hello? Uh, Speaker pro tem Patrick McHenry. Uh, was America's sweetheart for a couple of hours yesterday. It's a uh, first uh, Jim Jordan. Um, he tried suspending his campaign for House Speaker. Uh, he was trying to um, put his support behind a proposal to make uh, Speaker Pro Tem Patrick McHenry, McHenry um, permanent, permanent temporary speaker um, until the end of the year. That way they could at least get on with their business. And the other day I said... I don't think this is going to work because Democrats would never support it. Turns out Democrats were for this. It was it was the conservatives that scuttled it. Um, even Akeem Jeffries, a House minority leader and Democrat candidate for speaker, he seemed to be on board with it. And then by dinner time, the deal was dead in the water um, with uh, uh, too many questions about what kind of power McHe- uh, Patrick McHenry would have specifically and other terms of conditions um, with, with with this deal. Of course, this fell apart. I mean, we elect these people. We send them to Washington. We pay them our tax dollars to do absolutely nothing, <laughs> to be absolutely paralyzed. What a gig. This is uh, the best reality show I've ever watched in my life. This is like The Bachelor on Capitol. <laughs> right. Like, we need Chris Harrison <laughs> to come well, and do these interviews, these vignettes. I mean, like, this is ridiculous. We're watching Democracy in Action, and it's much stupider than I thought oh it would ever be. Oh, my God, this is ridiculous. How embarrassing. Another vote is expected to be today, but you know what? Who cares? It's not It's not going to matter. Nothing's going to happen. We're going to have the same conversation on Monday. Got a little DC TMZ action, though. It turns out that... Uh, <laughs> Kevin McCarthy and Matt Gates got into a little uh, brouhaha. You, you said me this. What happened? Or as Steve Courtney would say, they got into a little how you doing. <laughs> uh, there was a four hour closed door meeting between uh, Republicans yesterday. Tensions boiled over between former Speaker uh, Kevin McCarthy and Matt Gates, the congressman who called the vote to unseat him, uh, according to sources. I love saying that Uh, inside the meeting. At one point, McCarthy was speaking at the mic. He called out Gates by name. Gates stood up uh, to, quote, kind of interrupt him and say something per a second source. McCarthy said to Gates, sit your bleep down. Gates fired something back. Uh, Republican Congressman uh, 
let's see, who is the Republican congressman? Um, I don't have it written down. Uh, Mike Boast from Illinois. Uh, he was reportedly ready to lunge across the room. What? Um, from what I gathered, it was at Matt Gates, And, of course, uh, both McCarthy and Gates are, are downplaying the alleged incident. McCarthy said that he didn't scream at Gates. He said he was at the mic. Gates tried to interrupt him, and he told him to sit down. He did add, though, that he thinks the entire conference and the country does want to scream at Matt Gates, though. And Gates oh said that he thought McCarthy was yielding to him since he called him out by name, adding that McCarthy gets his Irish up sometimes. So, Oh, you can't use that as an excuse. That's as bad as people that say, I'm this way because I'm a cancer. I'm right. a Capricorn. No. Well, G- Gates was saying that about McCarthy. I'm an Italian. I, whatever. I mean, yeah. The point is you can't use that. That's crap. Right. So, uh, I, look, at this point, at this point, just just. Just tell me when there's an adult in the room. And, and I think this I, I think this rule that that you can't elect a speaker unless they have a true majority of the House. I think that was put in place back when you assumed that uh, we'd be electing adults in the room. Right. And uh, that's out the window here. Uh, I got to take a quick break here. Um, remember Sean Fain? We haven't heard much about him this week. It's been, I, yeah, it's been quiet. Um, I was wondering what, what what was going on with him. He's expected to give an update today at 4 p.m. Uh, 4 p.m. Oh. Uh, Ford and Chrysler announced more layoffs yesterday, and it feels like both sides are at a stalemate. So Is we'll, he going at uh, Facebook Live? I believe so, yes. Oh, okay. So uh, we'll definitely uh, see what kind of fun T-shirt he's going to wear. Right. Yeah. I look forward to it. The world's going to hell, so that's my only <laughs> solace. It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, oh. WJR. Up next at 6, it's JR Morning with Guy Gordon, Jamie Edmonds, and Lloyd Jackson. This is First Thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. All right, and, and tomorrow is the... Uh, Big in-state rivalry game between Michigan State and the University of Michigan. And unfortunately, it's it, it's kind of a lost season for Michigan State with all the uh, drama that's been going on with Mel Tucker. But uh, there was a little intrigue, I guess, um, injected into this thing. Now, number one, it's a night game, which uh, may turn out to be a bad idea. I, I know that uh, they're increasing police presence a- around the game tomorrow, Renee, which I think is also a good idea. Yeah, not a bad idea at all, especially because they're serving alcohol now. Yeah. What could go wrong? Nothing. Nothing. And allegedly, you know, serving alcohol is supposed to cut down on drunkenness. I don't I, I, I don't see how those two correspond. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, it'll be an interesting <laughs> experiment tomorrow, mm-hmm. but... Uh, Jim Harbaugh, fresh off that self-imposed suspension um, for illegal contact with Cruz during the COVID-19 dead period, which uh, he might get suspended for more games from that by the NCAA. Uh, Now the University of Michigan is being investigated for sign stealing. Now, I guess the NCAA doesn't actually have rules against stealing signs if, like, you figure it out in games. Like, if if the game is going on, you're watching the other team's sidelines and you figure that out. It's not illegal, but I guess what you can't do is you can't uh, you can't go scout a future opponent at an away game in person. So I guess that's 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 what's being investigated here. Um, and of course, Jim Harbaugh says that he is just as shocked as everyone else at these allegations. I'm shocked by this, <laughs> but uh, I, you know what? I gotta say, at this point, 
with what we just went through with MSU, this seems very tame to me. Like I, these allegations. Yeah, this doesn't seem like it's a big deal. Um, can I give you a full disclosure on something? Yes. It's just it's just you and me and a few hundred thousand of our closest friends, hopefully. So um, when this story broke, I mm-hmm. mean, it's no shocker that I'm not Jamie Edmonds or Steve Courtney when it comes to sports. <laughs> no, who amongst us are? So I was like, sign stealing. Yeah, what do they do? Are they? Is there something going on? They're stealing signs from the stadiums. What is <laughs> happening? What well, they're like stealing? They're like stealing the section three fifteen yeah. sign to put in their are man cave. Like, what does this mean? Right. I can't believe I just admitted that on the air. They should have some. They should have some backup signs. Well, and usually for sports questions, I'll go to my husband because yeah. he's incredibly, you know, sports savvy. But he was in the middle of work, and I was like. I don't know. And I was I didn't want to go to you because right. I didn't want you to think less of me. <laughs> oh. Oh, come on. Pasha. But that, but this is really interesting. So, uh interesting allegation. Yeah. Well, look, I I'm I, I'm glad that they didn't steal like a a Budweiser sign right. from the concession stand. Right. Especially cuz they just started selling beer. Right. <laughs> Be- Look, and I'm sure beer, well. I'm sure with beer sales they could uh, afford another sign, but right. but yes, that obviously that's not happening. Right. Here's my question, though. Okay, so these, um, you know, uh, allegedly the, the sign stealing happened um, this this season. They haven't really played anybody yet. I can understand them, you know, trying to get uh, a, 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 an illegal edge against like Penn State or Ohio State teams that are like actual contenders. But uh, a lot of people are theorizing that Rutgers is one of the teams that that um, uh, is accusing Michigan of, of stealing signs. Did you really need to steal signs from Rutgers? Yeah, there's there hasn't been any game that it's like, how did they pull that off? Right. Uh, you know, UNLV, uh, East Carolina, Minnesota, Indiana. Did you really need to steal signs for, uh, against any one of these teams? It, it seems like kind of a waste uh, against a uh, of a violation. If you're going to cheat, at least like cheat against a, a worthy opponent, like uh, like I said, Penn State or Ohio State. Right. So uh, we'll see what happened. Uh, there's a uh, interview. I, I think I'll I'll play for the uh, Jr. Morning Crew of Greg Schiano Rutgers uh, head coach. A halftime interview where it, it seems like he he's kind of signaling that he knows something is going on. Um, the Oxford High School Shooters Parents Defense Team, they plan on calling their sons orthodontist, optometrist, and other doctors as witnesses to show that they did not ignore his medical needs like the prosecutors are um, accusing them of. Uh, of course, they're facing multiple manslaughter slaughter charges um, because uh, the prosecution is saying that there were many warning signs that he was mentally disturbed and they ignored it. Um, and here's the thing. The allegation isn't that you didn't get this kid braces or glasses when you, when he needed them. The allegations are that he showed signs of being severely mentally disturbed. And not only did you ignore those signs, but you bought him a freaking gun. Yeah, maybe if you were showing that you took him to a psychiatrist, that you got him some kind of, uh, you know, psychotherapy. Yeah. Then, then sure, this would be great. But you got his teeth cleaned. You got him a right. filling. You right. got his eyes checked. Congratulations. That doesn't help the situation. Kudos for making him get a retainer. But I, you bought him a freaking gun. I, I can't believe that this is a thing. This and is I, ridiculous. And I get it. The defense really has nothing. 
They're grasping at straws. Yeah. The only thing that may save them is that there weren't strong enough laws on the books at the time to pro- prosecute parental negligence resulting in death. But you also have to feel bad for these doctors who will now have to take the stand and be forced to act as almost character witnesses for these people. And they really had nothing to do with it. Right. And they're going, uh, yep, yeah, we we did a cleaning and a filling. Sure yeah. did. That's that's what he, happened. Yeah, he read he read the eye chart. Yes, exactly. Um, one of Donald Trump's most uh, fiercest allies um, pled guilty yesterday uh, to kind of a plea deal, and and she might actually flip on Trump. Yeah, lawyer Sidney Powell, she pled guilty to reduce charges over efforts to overturn Donald Trump's loss in the 2020 election in Georgia, becoming the second defendant in the sprawling case to reach a deal with prosecutors. Powell, who was charged alongside Trump and 17 others with violating the state's anti-racketeering law, entered the plea just a day before jury selection was set to start in her trial. She pleaded guilty to six misdemeanors related to intentionally interfering with the performance of election duties. Now, as part of the deal, she will serve six years of probation, will be fined $6,000, and will have to write an apology letter to Georgia and its residents. So that's a sweetheart deal. Uh, She also agreed to testify truthfully against her co-defendants at future trials. Now, the acceptance of a plea deal is remarkable about face for the lawyer who perhaps more than anyone else strenuously pushed baseless conspiracy theories about a stolen election in the face of extensive evidence to the contrary. If prosecutors compel her to testify, she could provide insight on a news conference she participated in on behalf of Trump in his campaign shortly after the election on a White House meeting she attended in mid-December of that year during which strategies and theories to influence the outcome of the election were discussed. Yeah, and sweetheart deal, I think, is the best way to describe it. I don't know how much uh, jail time she was facing, but a $6,000 fine and an apology letter. Uh, it, and a little community service. I mean, no, she's not doing community service, but basically she's doing community service. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, she Essentially, this is a plea deal for yeah. her to flip on Donald yeah. Trump. And uh, community service. Yeah, like, like you said, it is shocking because she seemed like one of the people who were going to die on this hill. Yes. She was on Fox News talking about releasing the Kraken. And, you know, uh, people like her, people like Rudy Giuliani, people like the former president himself, you know, you, you, you cry no tears for them because um, they seemed like their intent in burning the institution um, of voting down, of eroding confidence in the voting, the electoral process, just because the election did not go their way. Right. And again, I I, I feel like Donald Trump is going to skate on this because he um, has the money to um, pay high high powered lawyers. Um, it, he seems very slippery. And he's skated on everything so far. Right. On top of that, he is uh, a presidential candidate. He might be the next uh, president. So I think he's going to skate on this. But something must have spooked uh, Sidney Powell because she's one of the people who I thought would never flip on Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. This was pretty shocking. So um, we'll see what happens. Um, if you're keeping score, I believe this is the... Um, overturning election in the state of Georgia, not the overturning election nationwide. So uh, it gets a bit confusing because mm-hmm. he's also in court this week for a, a civil trial that has nothing to do with this. So 
Um, I don't know. Maybe we need to make a scorecard or a little cheat sheet so we can keep this all together. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale and WJR. And it is the home stretch of first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. And, of course, this time of morning, we like to uh, bring in Guy Lloyd and Jamie, the crew from JR Morning. And uh, they are not in studio. They are coming to us live from Huntington Place. Morning, crew. Good morning. Good morning. So, uh, so what's going on at Huntington Place uh, today? Well, this is the annual Goodfellows Breakfast. Uh, a lot of uh, who's who of, among the business community here to support the Goodfellows effort to make sure that no kitty goes without a Christmas. I, I don't think I have seen this many dolls in oh my God. At, at, at doll festivals. Dolls? <laughs> right. Really? We're yeah. surrounded by dolls. Explain the, that, because when I walked in, I thought, what's happening? Right. Well, these, Am I in the wrong place? Am I at the yeah. doll convention? <laughs> these are just some of the toys that will go into the little packet, the little gift packet. That are being will be given to, to children of need, um, and it's an interesting event. I, I've been to so many of them, but I mean, Ed McNamara, the former Wayne County yes. executive from years ago, got up and it, it was quite emotional. He said, "When I was a child, we we were poor as church mice," and he said, "I got a package from the Goodfellows, and it was the only thing I got for that Christmas, Aww. and it probably stuck with him." You know, and, for the rest and of his life, and it's the reason he got involved. It just so totally crystallized how important this event can be yeah. to children in Detroit who have so little. And I'm sure they're, they're even more now because of the what we're in right now and how the economy is. There'll probably be even more need. Absolutely. Th- th- there's no question that the need are needier. Mm-hmm. The needy yeah. are needier. Yeah. And people who haven't been needy in the past have kind of been pushed over the the line of needing assistance. So, um, so yeah, great cause. And since we are uh, the great voice of the Great Lakes, I like to ask the important questions. What's the breakfast spread looking like? <laughs> we haven't we seen have coffee it yet. so far. We have yeah. Okay, kudos we, to the coffee. We have, we have coffee. We had great parking spots on the roof of what we used to know as Kobo. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no. I, every time I come in here, Lloyd, I don't know if you're struck by it, but, I mean, we remember when this place was just oh, a horror was, show. Yeah, and it, it's so, so beautiful now. And you come in, it's really a source of pride. It is, because when you go to other cities and you see their convention centers and you say, wow, man, these are this is a great convention center, I think ours stands up to a lot of the convention centers across the country. No, no question. With Joe Lewis welcoming you at the door. Yes, he is. Yes. Like the biggest wall. Walmart greeter you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> or, or big boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, except this big boy can knock you out. He can. Yeah. He can. Big feet, some big feet on that guy. Yeah. Oh, oh, my Lord. Instead of uh, holding up the hamburger, there's a there's a boxing glove. There you yeah. go. Um, so, uh, you know, we got the big backyard brawl tomorrow, and uh, obviously... Not quite as much buzz around this as in years past because Michigan and Michigan State have, are, are having vastly different seasons. Uh, but uh, I guess a, a little more intrigue was added yesterday after it came out that uh, University of Michigan has been accused of, of stealing signs by uh, two opponents uh, this season. And I guess I guess it's legal to steal the signs in game if you figure them out, but you can't like go to an away game and pre-scout their signs, and, and, and that's what they're getting dinged for, as, as far as I understand it. Well, allegedly. Right. And, you know, you get a trove of video when it comes to preparing for an opponent. So if you figure out the signs in that way, it's totally fine. But mm-hmm. if you are sending people, which is what Michigan is alleged to have done, to games of future opponents and trying to figure out defensive and offensive plays, 
there's the problem. Well, and the thing is, I mean, it's not like they f- they've faced a murderer's row yet this season. The, the game's against uh, Penn State later on in the season, Ohio State's later on in the season. So I, I don't know which two opponents uh, are accusing them, but there's a video going around that's going kind of viral um, of Greg Schiano, the uh, head coach of, of Rutgers, and a cryptic halftime interview that he gave that people are, are thinking, uh, looking back, might have been him referring to sign stealing. I'm going to play it here, and I'm going to ask you guys if 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 you kind of pick this up uh, like everyone else. Coach, four penalties for your team in the first half. Some that cost you. How do you clean that up in the second half? Well, there's some stuff going on out there, so we just got to slow it down a little bit. There's some things going on that aren't right as well, so we'll talk about how to handle it. Does Michigan defense keep in Gavin Wimsett in this passing game in check? How do you adjust? Well, just got to keep playing, you know. In the game, we just got to keep playing. <laughs> All right, thanks, Coach. So it was cryptic. It was vague. People are uh-huh. drawing their conclusions. Yeah. I think it's possible, but again, why would you ra- waste a good violation on Rutgers and not save it for Penn State or Ohio State? I think if this is the what they do for every game, they just do it for every game. You know what I mean? So oh. they don't do it for just Ohio State or just whatever. But, but they, according to this, again, allegedly, they were looking into college football playoff potential opponents, too, where it really matters. You know, you don't want your sign-stealing scheme to get flabby and weak, right? you got to keep, keep it, it exercised. Keep it, up. Keep it sharp. Right. Yeah. How do you even investigate something like this? I mean, it, no, we didn't send anybody. That didn't happen. I mean, how do they investigate something yeah, it like that? It feels like a one, one person's word against right. another. Well, it, they could look into how that information was relayed. Like, if it was relayed electronically, they could probably find that. Yeah. Okay. And that's true. I guess, and I guess they can also find out if Ooh. if if someone from Michigan staff was you know at, at away games for for other people. So um, bringing bringing Q from James Bond to, to get to all those <laughs> uh, all that all the technological stuff. Me personally, I can't wait to tune into album today and hear Kevin O'Neill's parody uh, of Stevie Wonder's "Sign <laughs> Steeled Delivered." I think that's going to be great. <laughs> Jr. Morning coming up. And it is first thing with Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale. The State Department issued a warning of increased threat of violence against Americans traveling abroad and local enforcement agencies have stepped up patrols around Muslim and Jewish houses of worship in connection with the war between Israel and Hamas. Oakland County Sheriff Mike Bouchard talks to Chris Runwick on JR Afternoon about what his officers are seeing out there and what they're doing to keep people safe. Well, our next guest has been staunch in... His efforts to thwart any potential threats to the people of Oakland County. Of course, I'm talking about Sheriff Michael Bouchard. Sheriff, good to have you with us as always. Hey, my pleasure to be with you. How are you today? Uh, I'm good. Uh, you, you know, as as these types of incidents flare up, like we're seeing in, in, in Israel and in Gaza, um, both sides are, are charged, and we're seeing that in you know, play out in, in different ways across the country, protests across college campuses, in the U.S. Capitol, uh, all over the place. Um, and with that comes a heightened state of of threats towards people, towards places of worship. And, in fact, we've already seen some uh, arrests in Oakland County because of this conflict. When when you get something that, that rolls across your desk in terms of a threat, Talk me through a little bit about what that process is like. So 
first of all, we have zero tolerance for any kind of threatening behavior or violence. So I don't care what your situation or cause is, that is completely unacceptable. Our first mission is to keep everyone safe. And so any kind of threat towards anyone, institution or otherwise, person, uh, we immediately investigate and determine the availability and accessibility to carry out that threat. And we, you know, those kinds of things are critically important as it relates to is the threat or the verbiage used actually criminal in nature versus offensive. And that we do in conjunction with the prosecutor. But our first thing to do is to make sure that the situation is made safe, whether it's a school or house of worship or a person, make sure they're safe, that facility is safe, whatever the case may be, first and foremost, then work on tracking back from there. We, we've saw, we've seen the president speak very clearly and plainly that the United States and federal agencies and intelligence officials are also keeping a track uh, uh, of these types of threatening statements made online, made to people in person, whatever it is. Obviously, uh, you do a lot of work with the federal government, uh, a lot of con- uh, a, a consultation. You work closely with them, with the Major County Sheriff's Association. Um, h- how important is it during these times to have an all-hands-on-deck approach? 100%. And the important part is to share information because pieces of the puzzle may not paint a picture. But the whole puzzle together paints a very different picture. And go back and look at 9-11, you know, a lot of people had pieces, people taking flight lessons, not caring about landing, people doing this and that. All of those things individually were concerning but didn't paint the full picture that this is an imminent attack. And the results of the 9-11 Commission said more information sharing among all levels state, local, federal, is critically important to prevent any future attacks. And sadly, we forget quick. There's been more and more moves in Washington and in Congress to break down some of those systems that were put in place and be less robust in information sharing. So we're we're constantly monitoring that and encouraging them to allow that and keep that as an important front line for us to share information and know what's going on. So for me in my area, it's critically important for me to hear any any kind of chatter that's going on. So I'm part of the Joint Terrorism Task Force. You know, I got top secret clearance. I can be briefed in on things and be situationally aware that if things are in my AOR, I need to gear up resources and activities. And, and that's important. If they don't share that, you know, I don't know where to move assets or when to be on alert. How important is it also to to have um, those kind of conversations with community members, faith leaders, making sure you keep that line of dialogue open too? Hundred percent, you know, because people of faith, um, on every every kind of faith, that are true leaders of faith, abhor violence. People that pervert religions in the name of violence, and it's happened pretty much by every religion across time. Those are not people of faith. They are taking a religion and perverting it for their own purpose. And so staying in touch with faith leaders of all kinds is something we do all the time. Um, I've been to pretty much every house of worship, be it synagogues or mosques or or churches or temples, you name it. Um, I'm going uh, periodically to break bread, to talk with them and make sure we're all staying connected. Mm. Do you often notice an uptick in, in threats when big worldwide, obviously um, uh, contentious uh, uh, relationships flare up across the world, do you, do you notice uh, an uptick in threats? 
in Oakland County? Absolutely. Absolutely. We, you know, we monitor some of that. I'm, uh, as you know, I'm very active in major county sheriffs of America. We have a major county sheriffs of America intelligence commander group. Um, and we work closely with major city chiefs intelligence commander group, and we share information. So I'm reading those threads and tracking some of the discussions and then trying to synthesize that, how it relates to Oakland County and what I may need to think about or tune into. So different things, um, you know, we'll deploy assets in a preventive fashion. And we have at a number of events already since uh, since this most recent, you know, uh, horrendous situation in, in Israel. Mm. Well, it's obviously a, a, a tough time, but but I you have been steadfast in in not only your convictions, but your your actions in terms of investigating whether it's a a a what would be perceived as a smaller threat or a larger threat. No threat goes goes by the wayside, uh, certainly here in Oakland County. And I know when you've got your hand in in a lot of these other situations at higher levels, uh, I, I know that you are are doing your best to make sure that other people realize, too, that you can't overlook some of these things. 100%. We'll take nothing for granted. We'd rather check out 100 nothings and miss one real deal. But I'll also say, kind of reassuring your listeners, we have no information, no chatter, nothing about any specific threat or credible um, situation developing as it relates to Oakland County mm-hmm. at this time. Nothing. But having said that, we're certainly not staying diligent. We've, yeah, 100%. We get yeah. people up. And to the public, if you see something, say something. But outside of that, know that we're very tuned in. And if you're afraid or concerned, call us or your local police. Mike Bouchard, good stuff as always. Thank you very much. We'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks so much. Yep, you got it. That's Mike Bouchard, the Oakland County Sheriff. First thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale coming up after the news, um, the latest Stevie Wonder hit, Sign Stealed Delivered by University of Michigan.